The scripture reading is from John, the book of John, chapter 6, verses 35 to 59. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. And this, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum the stories of God for the people of God. I joked during scripture conversation 
when we read this that I had just written a paper about the theology of vampires that seemed appropriate here. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Holy One, guide our meditations and our thoughts as we discern this one of your most complicated passages. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the high and far-off times, the elephant, O oh best beloved, had no trunk. He had only a blackish, bulgy nose as big as a boot that he could wriggle about from side to side, but he could not pick things up with it. But there was one elephant, a new elephant, an elephant's child, who was full of satiable curiosity. And that means he asked ever so many questions. And he lived in Africa, and he filled all Africa with his satiable curiosity. A just-so story. An ideological story. The story of the way something came to be the way it is now. In this case, Rudyard Kipling's tale of how the elephant got its trunk. The elephant's child, filled with satiable curiosities, was scolded and scorned for asking his never-ending questions. What does the crocodile have for dinner? He wanted to know. Then everybody said, hush, in a loud and dreadful tone, and, he, and they spanked him immediately and directly without stopping for a long time. If I'm being honest, today's scripture leaves me with some satiable curiosities. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. I mean, that's really weird, right? It's not just me. I think, especially for mainline Protestants, we get caught up in this questions around who thinks what is happening during communion, these satiable curiosities around the body and blood of Jesus. I also think it can be difficult for us to separate ourselves from the thoughts of those questions right after we read scripture about literally consuming the body and blood of the bodily person of Jesus. So, I just wanted to name that and give you the opportunity to stop thinking about it because I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the just-so-ness of this story. In the early days of the pandemic, it seemed as though every other person you talked to had discovered the joy of baking bread. 
Unconcerned with yeast shortages and flour shortages and, of course, no paper products, thousands of office worker turned bakers spent their isolation watching yeast rise, experimenting with herbs, tasting the final product. Others still enjoyed the added challenge of working with a sourdough starter. Maybe they made it when they couldn't find yeast, or maybe it was unexpectedly thrust upon them by a friend who wanted to make sure they didn't miss out on any of the fun. <laughs> However it came to be, now they had it. And as long as they continued to nurture it, care for it, abide in it, then it would continue to feed them forever. A small amount of flour and water mixed together, left out on the counter overnight. You take a small part of that and mix it with fresh flour and water, and you do this every day for three weeks until it activates. Purportedly, all of Panera's bread is still made from their original starter. In the just-so stories of how the Abrahamic religions began, we are told of Jacob's dream of God. Genesis 28 tells us that God told Jacob in this dream that his offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. If you leave milk on the counter, it doesn't turn into yogurt. But the sourdough starter comes to life in a new way. It it transforms by mixing flour and water and constantly adding fresh flour. The dormant microbes in the flour wake up and multiply, causing it to rise, expand to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. One thing people don't like about sourdough is that you often use a lot of flour as you keep feeding and discarding it. Home Baker's Instagram posts began to tout hashtag quarantiny in an effort to reduce waste and only use what they truly needed for their family. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, God fed their hunger with manna the life-giving bread found under the morning dew as far as the eye could see. However, unlike sourdough, manna is much less resilient. 
more like a souffle, really. When the sun grew hot, it melted away. And if you tried to save a little for the morning, it bred worms and became foul overnight. It was life-giving bread. In strife, in fear, uncertainty, and scarcity. It couldn't be shared, each for themselves, only what you need for today. Come and get it before it melts away. Throughout John, though, we see Jesus inviting his followers into abundance. We need more wine for the wedding. 5,000 people come all this way to see me. You must be famished. Sit down, eat something. What do you mean you don't eat gluten? There's no gluten, it's just bread. <laughs> do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Listen, I know we've been eating manna for the past 1,250 years or so, but check out this new sourdough bread. It lasts forever. What do we have to do to perform the works of God, though? This sourdough is the work of God, and it lasts forever. So now, we can share it with more people. Our ancestors ate the manna. Right. But I feel like you're not hearing what I'm saying. Heaven has sent us new bread, and we should try it out. Try new things. Change. Transform. Meet the challenge of diversity. Like the sourdough starter on the counter, transforming, growing, multiplying, expanding, life to life, home to home, like the dust of the earth, to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. Like that satiably curious elephant's child whose nose got bitten by the crocodile when he asked what it ate for dinner. And as he pulled himself away from the danger of the croc's strong, sharp chomp, his nose stretched and it hurt. And it never went back to the way it was before. And then one day, a fly bit him on the back. And without thinking, he swung his truck around and swatted it away. And then, without thinking, he reached his trunk out and grabbed a bundle of grass to eat. And then, without thinking, he used his trunk to slop a big slop of mud on his head to cool him off in the heat. And it was then, oh best beloved, that he realized that his transformation, regardless of how it actually happened, or if it was just symbolic, 
left him with more. A restriction was lifted. New and creative ways to imagine the future revealed. Oh, best beloved. Jesus is offering us sourdough, much more than we need. What will we do with all of these leftovers?
We make me.